0: Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible-teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. Not yet, but soon. Jesus, the King, is coming. That gives us wonderful peace and excitement as we think about who he is, what he has done, and how he is coming to save us. It sure seemed like a good idea at the time, but it ended in disaster. In the late 1800s, wave after wave of European settlers came across the Atlantic and settled in the Great Plains. A major reason why was the Homestead Act passed by the United States government in 1862. Each person over the age of 21 who had never borne arms against the United States government received 160 acres of free land. The only stipulation? You needed to farm it. So thousands of hard-working tough, hard-nosed settlers took advantage of this free land opportunity, and in spite of there being not much out there at the time, they made it work on the prairies. But then the Russian Revolution happened, the communists took over in Russia, and the world's wheat supply was very low. Then World War I happened, 1914 to 1919, and food prices were very high. Low supply high demand, high prices. Those factors lined up to create a desire in these new immigrants to plow up millions of acres in the Great Plains and plant more wheat than ever before. In the process, though, they uprooted deeply rooted prairie grasses that had been there for centuries. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but... What next? These settlers didn't realize that when there is unusually wet weather in the Great Plains, wow, the agriculture booms. But when that doesn't happen, worse, when there's a severe drought, the deeply rooted prairie grasses are gone, the high winds kick up, and there is nothing there to hold the soil down. So, what happened is during the 1920s, there was above average rainfall, moderate winters, and it was a financial boom for these farmers. But then came 1930, and who could have guessed that combined with the stock market crash and the Great Depression, four of the next seven years in the early 30s would be the driest on record. The crops failed. The drought turned the topsoil into powder. Those prairie grasses were gone, and when the high winds began to blow, like they always do in the Great Plains, the high winds kicked up the dusty powder and caused black blizzards. One black blizzard dropped 12 million pounds of dust in Chicago. The topsoil powder even reached New York City and Washington, D.C. This was the Dust Bowl. It impacted 100 million acres of displaced tens of thousands of families, many of whom moved to California where they found things just as bad because of the Great Depression. It sure seemed like a good idea at the time to plow up prairie grass and plant wheat crops anywhere you could, but it ended in disaster and destroyed everything these new settlers had. For today, I'd like you to think about this. Pretend that God's promises in Jesus are those deeply rooted prairie grasses in your soil, in your heart. When high winds come, when difficulties arise, those promises in Jesus keep you anchored, just like the prairie grasses kept the soil anchored when they were there. Why would anybody ever rip that out? Why would anybody ever think that God's promises in Jesus are just... A casual thing you could take or leave and it wouldn't really mean a whole lot if you didn't have them. And yet that is exactly what our sinful attitudes do. What happens when worry gets deeply rooted in your heart or doubt that God is on your side? You plow up the prairie grass, the promises of Jesus, and you're trying to play God and it never works. What happens when a grudge gets deeply rooted in your heart? More plowing up of the prairie grass, trying to play God, reviewing, replaying, marinating on the details of what makes you so angry about that other person. And yet, the only person that is hurt is you. It is a miserable, miserable life when a grudge is deeply rooted in your heart instead of Jesus' promises. And yet, it is so common and easy to slip into. What about this one that's even more subtle? What about when a busy life gets deeply rooted in your heart? The the casual attitude towards Jesus, the almost hidden idea where you ask yourself, do I really need to keep learning about Jesus today? Do I really need to prioritize thinking about him and his promises now? I mean, I'd like to, I guess, but there's baseball and there's basketball and there's volleyball and there's soccer and there's music lessons and there's tutoring and there's homework and there's work and there's all kinds of things going on and that's just the week. That doesn't even count the weekend. We can slip into thinking that meaning in life equals keeping as busy as possible in life and that Jesus can take a backseat for a while because he won't mind. But one little day at a time, one little activity that's a priority over Christ at a time, one tiny spadeful at a time, you're plowing away, digging up the deeply rooted promises of God that will hold you anchored during high drama times. And then, of course, there's the most common of all, Deeply uprooting Jesus' promises and putting in its place the lie, you can have it all. The lie of the love of money. That more money and pleasure will make you happy. That's the secret to a wonderful life. And even though it causes a little bit of short-term happiness here and there, in a certain way, shape, or form, When the high drama comes, when difficulties arise, we sure wish we hadn't done that. It seems like a good idea at the time, but then it turns into disaster. At some point, we all will face, if it's anything in our soul besides Jesus and His promises, we will look at it and say, Is not this thing in my soul a lie? Today, to help us in this direction to stay deeply rooted in Jesus' promises and not be casual about it, not uproot them, even though it seems like a good idea at the time. We have some sermon verses today from Ezekiel, a book of the Bible we don't usually spend too much time in. The people of Ezekiel's day were certainly feeling as though their promises had been uprooted. Their prairie grass was gone and the high winds are kicking up into a black blizzard. Godlessness had been running rampant in Israel for centuries, and now the Israelites were no longer living in Israel. Because they had ignored God's warning for generations, the Lord had sent the nation of Babylon, the world power that was up and coming, to destroy the people of Israel, to ransack what they loved, things like the temple in Jerusalem, and either... Kill those in Israel or exile them a thousand miles away from their homeland back to Babylon? These exiles were certainly battling worry. How are we going to make it? And doubt. Is God on our side or not? They certainly were battling holding grudges, perhaps against their parents and grandparents, thinking that somehow it was only their fault that now they were exiled and ignoring the sins of their own. I'll bet many of them were even angry at God, holding a grudge at God. How could you do this to us? Deeply rooted in their life would have been busyness, but because they were now exiles and slaves, I highly doubt it was the kind of busyness they wanted. I'm sure many of them thought more money and having a settled-down routine would make them happy, and yet there they were with anything but that. They were going to have despair quickly set in. They thought that living the sinful life apart from God would turn out okay. And they had almost lost everything. And yet, look what God did at this time. Do you know what He did with Ezekiel? He took Ezekiel and sent him over there to Babylon to keep bringing the Word to His people, to the exiles. In their time of desperate need, God sent Ezekiel to announce this message to them. And let's look at these wonderful sermon verses. And as we look at them, notice all of the times the word I, myself, activities that God himself is going to do for the people. Notice how many times that comes up. Verse 11, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will... Bring them into their own land. Look at all these things. The Lord stood up and announced, I will do this. The Jews who were exiled to Babylon would get a chance to go back to their homeland of Israel. But that was all done around 2,500 years ago. Today, promises like this from God are not talking about Jews going back to living in the country of Israel from wherever they are right now. But it is talking about a spiritual application. It's talking about people who believe in Jesus as their Savior getting a chance to go home to heaven, that the Lord himself will gather us close to him. He will search for us and find us and rescue us and bring us out, bringing us back into our own land, the home of of heaven. And there we can look forward to this wonderful care from our Savior. In verse 13, he continues to say, I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. You can't miss the Lord promising that he is going to feed us well, he is going to tend us perfectly, and he's going to make us lie down. You know how hard it is if you are a modern shepherd with sheep under your care to get them to lie down? A sheep will never lie down if there is any tension in the midst of the flock. A sheep will not lie down if it is hungry or thirsty. A sheep will not lie down if there is something bothering them, like a gnat or or a fly or an irritating insect. A sheep will not lie down peacefully if there are any predators around, and that makes sense, but even tougher than that, A sheep will not lie down if it even thinks there's a predator around. So the only way a shepherd can have their sheep lie down peacefully and content is if there is no tension. They are perfectly satisfied, neither hungry nor thirsty. Nothing's bothering them like an annoying insect. And not only are there no predators around, the sheep doesn't even think there's a predator around. What a powerful promise to hear verse 15. The Lord declares, and no one can overturn his rule. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. He continues, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Are you lost, astray, injured? Weak? Has life been unfair in your opinion? Your Savior promises that He Himself will search for you and bring you back. He will bandage you and bind up your wounds, strengthen you when you're weak, shepherding the flock with justice. If justice isn't here today on this sinful planet, it will be at one time. Not yet, but soon. The king is coming. Ezekiel here around 600 BC is talking about the Lord bringing his servant David to be his shepherd for his people. And David lived 400 years earlier than Ezekiel. So this is not talking about the David who killed Goliath or the David who is Israel's most famous king. This is talking about Jesus Christ who would come to give up his life to shed his blood. The shepherd was the lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and honor and strength and glory and praise. The good shepherd all by himself paid an incredible price in order to make us his sheep, his very own. The good shepherd paid an incredible price so that we would be gathered to our heavenly home and lie down in peace, safety, joy, contentment that knows no boundaries. Would you take this home with you? Have deeply rooted trust in that? Deeply rooted trust in Jesus, your good shepherd, and his promises that he will follow through on all of these things he is promising. Instead of having deeply rooted worry, have deeply rooted trust that Jesus is looking out for you. Instead of deeply rooted doubt, have deeply rooted trust, let that be your prairie grass, that God is on your side, that a shepherd who laid down his life for you and thinks that highly of you will never abandon you and definitely not during your time of need instead of holding a grudge and having that be deeply rooted in your soul. Be deeply rooted in the unconditional love that God has shown to you as well as to them, that other one that hurt you. And maybe God will even use you as the agent of his word to help that person who today has hurt you and probably many others to have a big change of heart and a big change of lifestyle instead of casually approaching God's Word and blowing it off as though you're too busy and you don't even really need to keep growing in that. No, don't be deeply rooted in that approach to life, but instead be deeply rooted in growing in Jesus and always compiling more and more promises to the ones you already know to rejoice more deeply all the time with who He is and what He has done for you instead of loving money and pleasure and thinking that that's going to somehow make you happy, make you to lie down like a, a peaceful, content, and satisfied sheep, set your heart instead on things above. Look forward to that day in heaven when there will be no tension. You will be fully satisfied. There's nothing pesky, definitely no predators, not then and not forever. Because you are in eternal happiness called heavenly bliss. Dear Christian, the storms of life most certainly are coming. The drought, the high winds, the difficult times. But so also is Jesus, your good shepherd and king, coming. Stay anchored in everything he says. Spotlight Him and His holy truth. Keep marching. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.